This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. I'm here tonight in a balmy Kansas City evening, and I'm not enjoying the winter wonderland we got here. I'm actually dreading what I think to be is the worst part of the mobile home park business, and that's frozen pipes. And cold weather. I've heard some people say that winter's easy because you don't have to worry about as much trash or parties or you know lawn mowing violations. Uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. I actually like being out in the parks in the summer. Uh, in the winter, you know, it depends on the weather, but uh, man, we've had quite the February here in uh, the Midwest and I think pretty much nationwide. And I've got clients in the South um, that have never even seen snow and their pipes are freezing. And the furnace is out, and the electrical grid is out, frankly. So, tough times here uh, as a nation because it's extreme weather. I guess the, the global warming uh, theory is, is still up in the air, but I guess I'm no scientist, so don't quote me on that. But it, it sure feels cold here for February. Um, anyway, I thought rather than just uh, gripe and complain about the weather, I'd maybe try to teach you some something today about what can you do about frozen pipes or preventing frozen pipes. I wish I would have done this a month or two ago. Um, we've had a pretty good preventative system in, in place for a number of years now, but honestly it didn't work as well as it normally does this year. It just was a lot. And we've got some broken pipes and, uh, you know, broken water meters and clogged water lines, clogged sewer lines, etc. And I know I've got some clients that have it a lot worse than me where their contracts are getting dropped. Their entire infrastructure systems, are, infrastructure systems are failing. So definitely a serious issue. So today I'm going to dive into just what can you do to for prevent frozen pipes. And, and if you don't know, I mean, obviously it freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, but it really doesn't, the pipes don't start to freeze until you know, considerably colder than that, like low 20s, at least in my experience. Uh, we had minus 30 degrees on Monday this week. Uh, it, was, it was pretty brutally cold. Uh, so first off... The key here is preventative care. This is stuff like heat tape. You know, licensed installers are supposed to put heat tape on the water lines and insulate them and have a quality underbelly. The underbelly is, you know, the underside of the mobile home. Between the joists, there's insulation. There's some sort of tarp or underbelly structure that holds the insulation in place. And you're you're supposed to tuck those lines up underneath the belly. And the portion that's exposed between the floor and and the ground is supposed to be insulated with uh, insulation and heat tape. And for your water meter, you can get what are called water meter jackets. They basically look like little styrofoam coolers that go around your, your water meters. We've honestly not used a lot of those. Um, hadn't had problems with the water meters. Typically, the water meter is the last thing to break if you get a good quality water meter. We like the Metron meters that are kind of a plastic, but they're porous. So they expand a little bit. Uh, we've had a lot of the brass ones in the past, and you can get... Uh, freeze plates on the bottom which are supposed to freeze first but we had more problems with those brass ones freezing and you know there's other other brands out there that I'm sure work too we just have kind of found one that seems to work for us overall 
Another thing you can do for your main lines, you know, your supply lines up into the home, but underneath the earth, you can have heat rods that allow, basically keep the, the line warmer below the surface. Uh, you can have insulated skirting. That's something that's pretty popular up north. I've actually never bought any. Um, never really been a problem. This year has been the first year we've had substantial freezes. Um, and then another thing I, I say you want to do is have supplies on hand. Uh, lots of extra stuff. I mean, this year especially, I had, I don't know, seven or eight salamander heaters nearby, and I needed a dozen. And I went to go buy some, because they die, one of them got stolen. Um, you need more for more houses. And I went to Home Depot, they were out. I went to Home Depot, they were out. I call, I look at homedepot.com. It was a 10-day delay nationwide. Amazon, same thing. I ended up finding the, the only used salamander heater on Facebook, and I had somebody drive three hours away and go get it. Uh, they found one at Ace Hardware that kind of fell through the cracks, and only one I could find in the region had somebody drive from four hours away and go get it. I mean, that's how bad we wanted a salamander heater. So that's a key supply. And I, some people call them torpedo heaters. Basically, they're you can get them in propane. We typically get them as kerosene or diesel. So that's another uh, a tip here. Again, what if they freeze? Well, if they freeze, you want to make sure you get your supplies ready. So if they do freeze, you assess the problem. You know, is it the main line? Hopefully not. Is it is it the water meter? Is it near the water shutoff for the home? Is it in the supply lines? Uh, hopefully it's not in the home and getting the water uh, water heater. Um, that would be a problem. And if it does freeze, you want to turn on your faucets so that, it, that there's the pressure is relieved. So if, if you do defrost and you know water expands. As it freezes, so it becomes ice, it'll blow the lines. But the, if the faucets are on full blast at that point, it may blow a little chunk of ice into the sink. And I've had that happen, and then it's not the big a deal. Um, you want to use your salamander heaters to underneath the home. You want to make sure to do it safely. Avoid catching the skirting on the home, skirting of the home on fire. So don't put it, you want to remove several pieces of skirting. You want to angle it at an angle that's not facing up towards the home. You want to make it sure it's kind of down. I like the, he the heaters that are on wheels. I like to have numerous going at once, at least two per home when it's, when I got a problem. And they run on kerosene, which kerosene seems to run out first. And the, the whole community here was out of kerosene. So we switched to diesel. And diesel works fine also, except my car hearts smell completely like diesel now because it gets everywhere with these little nozzles and funnels they try to have you use to fill these things. And it was so cold this year that we had the diesel freeze. I didn't even realize that could happen, to be honest. It turned to gel. So we had to get some diesel thinner to to mix in there to basically keep the fuel from freezing up in my salamander heater. And again, the, the, it's very important to avoid catching the home on fire. I've heard of that happening. We never had it happen with a salamander. We had it happen once with a, a guy who was cutting the tongues off with a blowtorch. And what do you know? use a blowtorch and hits the plastic skirting, whole front of the house caught on fire. Uh, I mean, world-class idiot this guy was. Um, you know, you can use a saw for that, or, you know, skilled welders can weld them off. But he decided to use a blowtorch. Uh, so back to preventative care. I'm getting out of order here, but it's my show. Um, notice to residents. This is important. We, we tell the people to inspect their own in the fall. We actually went around this year and inspected it personally ourselves and found lots of heat tape and, and pl outlet plugs and things like that that were not working. And we tell them on a notice, hey, let the water faucets drip. We put a little poster sign out by the entrance. Freeze warning, let your faucets drip. 
And we tell them, open your cabinet doors and your sinks. That allows the heat from the home to get under the, under the sink and into the cabinets where it's a little colder because those face the exterior of the home. And then keep your heat above 60 degrees, which, which seems obvious. But, I mean, some people, unfortunately, are tight on funds, so they, they suck it up in the winter and they just have it 52 degrees in their house and wear coats. I mean, literally sleeping coats and stuff. But like, that's not going to help on the water heater or on the water line issues. So those are some preventive tips, um, preventive care, notice to residents. And then again, back to if they if they freeze. I mentioned salamander heaters. Those are really all I like to use. But some people use a heat gun or a blow dryer. And the heat gun can work a little bit. I mean, if it's in an area, like maybe on the on the riser or somewhere that's hard to get to with the salamander, you use a little gun. But, it, man, those, the salamander heaters just work. You know, they're just, they're a lot faster. And I, I've also heard people pouring salt down the drain. I've actually never done that, um, but it makes sense. I mean, salt lowers the, is it the melting point or lowers the freezing point, I guess. Well, I don't know which one that is. I, I didn't really do that well in science class. Actually, I did okay, but that was like 30 years ago. So um, try the salt thing. My kid probably knows that better than me. Uh, one thing that I took for granted a little this year was having laborers ready. And we had a lot of guys ready to rock, and, and they were out there you know, and I appreciate them. They're out there sucking it up, and it was it was miserably cold. But I didn't have enough, and I didn't have enough tough guys. And we had we were doing shifts. You know, go out there. It's minus fifteen degrees, minus twenty degrees. Uh, sit there for two hours, then you go sit in the truck for five minutes. Next guy goes for two hours, or you go get a sandwich. You go to the bathroom. You get the inside job. You know, doing something or plugging it in, or you're walking around. And we had a couple guys break for lunch and never come back we had another guy he was driving from one site to another site about 40 miles away you know had some vehicle problem spun on the ice a little bit didn't get hurt or anything yeah just said nope not for me turned around went home back to the first park right where he lives didn't call didn't write didn't show up the next day didn't show up the next day just gone I mean, the guy's been on the payroll for a year and a half i mean just can't not for me another guy just came up one day, handed us keys to the house, and said, I didn't sign up for this. So, it's tough, man. We were paying guys time and a half during the week and double time on the weekend because this was a seven-day job, and we had guys out there till 1130 at night, several nights. I was out there myself taking a shift on Valentine's Day. You know, that sucked. Um, but we needed it to get done, and manpower was light. So, I really... Felt, felt a little bad for the parks that do not have park-owned homes, which in general, a lot of people say, I, I, nobody wants park-owned homes. Uh, I've got park-owned homes in most of my parks. And where I'm at here in Kansas City, we've got two parks, uh, about 140 lots and, in this market, and I don't know, 35 or 40 park-owned homes. And as a result, i got full-time maintenance here. i got a couple guys. And I was more prepared. If I had... 200 lots, but no park-owned homes, I'd likely have, like, a guy that mows grass in a, in a, in a professional that uh, plows the snow. And I would have had nobody who was ready to jump under a trailer with a salamander heater on Sunday from 8 a.m. till midnight. So can't emphasize enough. Have your laborers ready. Take care of them. Uh, it's still going to be tough sledding. Uh, as they say in the Marine JAG Corps or the Marines and the military in general, lead from the front. 
And I, I think that's a little bit of, hey, let's go, as opposed to, hey, get moving. And that means uh, getting out there in the field once in a while, getting your hands dirty, uh, just to you know stay humble, stay fresh, but also to um, show some leadership so your team doesn't mind uh, the tough sled in the head that they have to do. So anyway, uh, important topic, uh, never more timely. Well, I guess 30 days ago would be more timely. My bad. Sorry, not sorry. But um, anyway, God bless. Good night. Stay warm. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.